The following message is preached by Dustin Logan. Dustin is the pastor of First Baptist Church of Lambrook, Arkansas, a church that is laboring for a Christ-centered harvest beginning in the heart of the Delta. For more information, please visit www.fbclambrook.com. Now with a message from God's Word, here is Pastor Logan. And he says, I will build my church. I want you to think with me for just a moment of some words that come to your mind. When it comes to walking into a place or driving past a building that is under construction, think about some phrases that come to your mind as I was encouraged from this specific passage of Scripture from the state convention recently and some thoughts that I want to bring to you this morning from that particular meeting and some things that come to our minds when we think about being under construction. Uh, Notice the signs that say, work in progress. Or maybe, please excuse our what? Mess. Say that with me. Please excuse our mess. Or maybe... Under construction. Now when you see these signs, there are some who will automatically be deterred from going into that place. Some will say that we are open for business, please excuse our mess. Or we are open for business, but just please excuse the renovations. And automatically in people's minds when they think of construction, when they think of renovation, when they think of the mess... They say, you know what, I don't really think that I want to go there. But how many of you realize that as a church, we are always under construction? Can I get an amen? Uh, there is never a moment when people come to the church that we are not under construction. We are always under construction. I think of the song, and I'm thankful for the song that I think of. He's still working on me. He's still working on me. And the reality is this, if you care enough about the place that is under construction, it doesn't matter what the mess looks like. How many of you know if they've got good food, you're still going to go there? Uh, If they've got good service, even though it may be under construction, if it's got good service, you're still going to go there. If it really matters to you, it doesn't matter if there is an excuse the mess sign or under construction or open during renovations, doesn't matter what the signage says, what matters is what you feel and care about that place. You're still going to go. But there are so many that say, you know what, the church is a mess, it's full of messy people, full of people whose lives are under renovation and under construction. I don't think I want to go there. Have you ever heard that before? I don't want to go to church with a bunch of hypocrites. The reality is this, you go to Walmart with them, don't you? You go to the Dollar General with them, don't you? You go to the same gas station they go to, why not go to church with them? Can I get an amen? The reality is we're not a perfect church. We're a church that is under construction. We're a church that is open even during renovations. And the reality this morning is we want to align ourselves under the divine promise that is given to us in verse number 18 when Jesus says, Upon this rock I will build my church. Church. Everybody say that with me. 
I will build my church. As I look at this divine promise given to us in verse number 18 of Matthew 16, the promise is this, and this is one of those promises that is not a conditional promises. How many have given conditional promises to your kids? You say, for example, with our kids on Fridays, they know that if they get a good report at school, and if they do what they're supposed to do through the week, then afterwards we're going to go get some Mexican, because that's all there is in the Delta, is just Mexican, 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 Mexican. You better get used to it, right? Cheesy rice and chicken tenders, that's their favorite. If you get a good report, I promise you that on Friday we're going to go get some cheesy rice. Or maybe you've told your kids, if you clean your room, you're going to have a reward. But you also promise them, if you don't clean your room, there's going to be some consequences. Can I get an amen? The reality is this. He gives us a promise in verse number 18 that is not conditional. It is not a, if you do this, I will do this for you. But rather, it is a promise that Jesus gives you that regardless of what you do, let me tell you what I'm going to do. When he tells us in verse number 18, upon this rock, referring to himself, I will build my church. Jesus promises that even in 2021, he is going to build his church. This promise that was given to us 2,021 plus years ago is still just as true today as it was when Jesus was speaking to Peter face to face and he told him, I'm going to build my church. When it comes to the word from God for us this morning at First Baptist Church of Lambrook, the word is this, I, Jesus, will build my church. I'm going to build my church. Regardless of what you do, I'm going to build my church. Regardless of how good of a preacher you have, I'm going to build my church. Regardless of how well you are, I am promise you, I will build my church. Let's say that just a couple of different ways. Rick Warren had one of those Bible study methods that I used years ago that was pretty cool. And uh, let's put some emphasis on that phrase here. And uh, let's, let's look at this and break it down. I will build my church. Then he goes on to say it this way. I will build my church. And then you can say it this way. I will build my church. And then he says it this way. I will build my church. You get the point? And then he says this. I will build my church. Jesus has promised to build the church. And it is not that he's dependent upon me and you to do it. He says, I'm going to do it. And then he says, it's not dependent upon the weather. It's not dependent upon how people respond. He says, I will build my church. Not dependent upon what happens in the White House or the governor's house or anybody else's house. I will build my church. And for me this morning, every time I stand in the pulpit and every time that I wake up and my feet hit the ground and I go throughout my day, it gives me confidence that God, regardless of me, God is going to build His church as He promised to do. But what that also does is it extends an invitation to us to be a part of the formula that God is going to use to build His church. I want to be a part of that process of God building His church, don't you? And so some things we need to understand when it comes to 
Christ building His church. Number one, we need to understand this. And this is a, a phrase, if you want to put it. Listen to this. A high view of God is not always the most adequate view of God. A high view of God is not always the most adequate view of Him. You say, what do you mean? Well, go back to the text and you'll find when Jesus asked them in verse number 13, He says... Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Let me remind you real quick as I'm giving you this pop quiz. I'm reminding you I'm the Son of Man. But I want to ask you, what does everybody else say about me? Who does everybody else say that I am? And look at it. What is their response? In verse number 16, Simon Peter how many know that uh, it's been told of Simon that he had a foot-sized, foot-shaped mouth, right? Because he was always opening his mouth and inserting his foot in his mouth every time he said something, wasn't he? So here he is. He says, some say you are the Christ. And then he tells us in verse number 14, some say you are John the Baptist. Now, can you imagine, for just a moment, being known in relation to John the Baptist? Now, why would that be a big deal? Well, think about who John the Baptist was. Who was John the Baptist? Well, for 400 years, the Old Testament Jews did not hear a word from God. There was no prophet. There was no prophecy going forth. There was no word from heaven coming down actively. So you can imagine that if someone said, oh, you're John the Baptist, that'd be a pretty big deal, wouldn't it? That'd be a pretty cool thing. That now, after 400 years, here's John the Baptist, finally a word from God, finally a prophet that hears a word from the Lord. I would not mind being known as John the Baptist. That's a pretty high credit report, isn't it? But just because you have a high view of Jesus doesn't mean that it's the most adequate view of who he really is. Others, who did they say that he was? Some said that he's John the Baptist. Others said that, hey, you're Elijah. You remember who Elijah was, don't you? He's the man that called fire from heaven. Uh, he was transported from the earth into a fire of chariot. He was translated from the earth to heaven and never seen to be any more. <laughs> Can you imagine that? That would be pretty cool credentials. You're, oh yeah, you're Elijah. You finally come back from heaven and now you're here. After all these, that'd be pretty cool. But a high view of God is not an adequate view of God, always. And then let me give you the last one. Some say you're Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Remember when Jesus weeped over Jerusalem? They said, oh, you must be Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. That would be pretty cool. But the reality is this, they were perceiving him just as a prophet, even though a good prophet, how many know that Jesus is more than just a prophet? You ask men today, who is Jesus to you? You start engaging in a conversation of the gospel, and here's what you hear a lot of times, he's the man upstairs. He's the good Lord. Me and the good Lord, we've got it all worked out now that sounds honest doesn't it sounds like it's credible the reality is this that person may have a high view but it is not an adequate view 
of who he really is. Let me tell you who Jesus is. He's the Son of Man and he's the Son of God. He's the one that left the glories and the splendor of heaven and he came to this earth and he humbled himself being born of human flesh through a virgin and he was born. He lived a perfect sinless life and he died on a cross for our sins. He was buried and he rose again on the third day and for 40 days he showed himself to hundreds of people even at one time. And when he ascended back to heaven, he's in heaven right now, seated at the right hand of God, making intercession for you and for me. That's who Jesus is. And one day he's coming back soon and he's going to judge the world. And before he does, I want to be ready. I don't want to just say that he's a prophet because a prophet is just one who bears the message. They're a messenger. But Jesus is the one who gives the message. I want to know Jesus as the one who gives the message, not just as a messenger. So a high view of God is not always the most adequate view of God. Number two this morning, we must have a personal proclamation of who Jesus really is. A personal proclamation. He says here in verse number 16, after Jesus asked him, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now that sounds really good, doesn't it? Do you realize that Peter wasn't quite convinced of what he believed about Jesus? You say, well, how do you know that? Because he wanted Jesus to be full of glory. You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the one that's going to deliver us from Roman Empire. That sounds good, doesn't it, folks? You're the son of the living God. That sounds good, doesn't it? But look at what Peter says in verse number 22 after Jesus talked about the suffering that he would face. Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, this shall not happen unto thee. Listen, if you love Jesus just because he's the Messiah, you're loving him for the wrong reasons. If you love Jesus just because he is the Son of God, you're loving him for the wrong reasons. If you love him because he's the Son of God that came here to suffer for your sin, and without him suffering for your sin, there is no forgiveness. If you love Jesus for that, you've got it right. But if you love him just because he's the Son of God, that's not enough. If you love him just because of the glory of his splendor, that's not enough. If you love him because he died in your place and he suffered and became your substitute for sin, listen to me, if you love him for that, if you confess him as the Lord of your life, you shall be saved. What is your personal reflection of who Jesus is? Peter says... We believe that you're the Christ, you're the Son of the living God, and that is good, that is part of it, but having part of the gospel is not enough. We need to remember that Jesus Christ died, buried, and rose again. Then I want you to look at number three with me, that is a divine revelation proclaiming who Jesus is. We have to be reminded that we don't believe that Jesus is who he is just because we say that he is, but because God has revealed it to us. Look at verse number 17. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my what? 
Father which is in heaven. Who revealed to Peter that this is who Jesus was? God did. Here's what I'm praying for our community. Here's what I'm praying for your one. Here's what I'm praying for my ones. Lord, I pray that they wouldn't just come to know you intellectually here because of what I tell them. But Lord, I pray that they would come to know you here in their heart because of what you reveal to them. You see, I can push someone in the hole and make them profess Christ. You can play with people's emotions and you can play with their mental capacity and you can play with all of that and you can build a big intellectual theory, but the reality is this. If you're playing with people's emotions and building some big intellectual theory, that won't last when they go to hell. It has to be God that reveals to them that they are lost, that they need a Savior, that they have to confess their sin and trust Him as Lord and Savior of their life. It has to be God that reveals. See, I can preach and preach and preach and preach until I'm blue in the face. And you can tell and tell and tell and tell others about Jesus, but if it's not God who does the work in their heart and life, everything else is in vain. Now, we need to share, we need to plant, we need to water, we need to disperse the seed. But the reality is, is once that seed touches the ground, it's going to take God to bring forth fruit from that seed. Just as our farmers are some of the most faith-filled people that I know, when you put the seed in the ground, you can only do your part. You've got to trust God to bring the rest to pass. And what Jesus is saying to Peter is, look, Peter, you've seen the miracles. You've seen all of these things. You've seen the blind healed. You've seen the deaf to hear. You've seen those who were mute to speak. You've seen the lame to walk. You've seen the, the bread dispersed to over 5,000 people. You've seen all of this. But you saw that with your what? Eyes. And you heard it with your ears and you smelled the freshness of those loaves of bread with your nose and you touched the bread and you dispersed the fish but it's God that has shown you that in your heart every person in our church should be begging God Lord help them not just to see it help them not just to hear it but help them to sense it in their heart by revelation of God let me give you the last one here as I close Finally, this morning, it is a central focus. A central focus that Jesus uses to build his church. From that time forth, Jesus began, verse 21, to show unto his disciples how he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Listen to me. If we get off base from that, We've gotten too far away. Let me say that again. In Matthew 16, verse 21, if we stray away from that, we've hit a foul. We must, we must, we must, we must declare that Jesus came to suffer and to die and to be raised again. Now, we have to ask the question, what are the implications of each of those? What does that matter? Why did that have to happen? But the moment that we get away from the gospel and who Jesus really is, 
we have only a high view of Jesus and not an adequate view of him. When we sing hymns of the faith and when we sing psalms and spiritual songs, when we leave who he really is, we've hit a foul ball. Everything we do as a church, everything we do as a church has to be anchored to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every message, you know, you go diving, right? And whenever you have a, a dive, you have a lead line, a safety line. And that line is tied up to the boat, and you throw it out, and you got it attached to you, and you can follow that line so that if you get lost out there in the sea, you can always pull yourself back up to the boat. And the reality is this. When we're diving in the scriptures and we're diving in God's word and when we're diving into this world, we have to have our line attached to Matthew 16, 21. If we stray away from that, we've gotten lost. So Lord, help us today that everything we do as a church, everything we do as a family, everything we do in our personal lives must be about Matthew 16, 21. And here's what I want to ask you. When Jesus said to Peter, Peter, who do ye say that I am? Two implications here as Miss Tina comes to the piano. Listen to this. Number one, Peter is among others, isn't he? He's among the disciples when Jesus asked that question. And so Jesus is asking, okay, who do you all as disciples say that I am? What is the message that these disciples are sharing? Now, when I ask you this, I want you to think about this. Who do we say that Jesus is at First Baptist Church of Lambrook? What does our community believe is our message? What is the message that we're communicating? You see, if you ask that about some churches, you say, well, well that's just a church that's all about fill in the blank. But I want to ask you about our church, not other churches. What do we say about Jesus? What are we communicating about Jesus? That's important. And then finally, what are you saying about Jesus? What are we communicating as the primary message and mission of our church? And notice what Jesus said. He did not say, you will build my church. Is that what he said? No. But notice this. He also did not say, I will build your church. Do you know why he didn't say that? Because this isn't your church. This isn't my church. This is Jesus' church. This message was brought to you by First Baptist Church of Lambrook, Arkansas. To hear more messages like this one, or if we can be of service to you in any way, please contact us at www.fbclambrook.com. We would love to hear from you. God bless you, and thank you for listening.